How many, man, how many are ready to just get in the Word this morning? Amen? Amen. Are, you, are you ready? Are you excited? Man, I'll tell you what. I'm excited to preach this message. Uh, it's not a long one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a fair, you can make your reservations now over at Don Jose for 11.45. No, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, everybody says, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Nichols on his phone, like, give me a reservation right now. Uh, thank you to the praise team for stepping in for, you know, Jenny was sick, not feeling well. I told her, stay home, get better, and she relied on her team, which is always a good thing. Thank you so much. Give them a hand for <laughs> praise and worship. It was awesome. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for the message. Lord, I thank you for the word spoken to us through the Apostle John and through your Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, as, we, as we dig deeper now into 1 John, Lord, I pray that your presence would just be alive among us. Lord, that this word would be spoken into our hearts, that we wouldn't forget it quickly. Lord, that we would hold on to it. Lord, that we would have ears to hear exactly what it is you're saying to us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Last week, we finished part two. Uh, this week, we are going to continue into chapter two. But I want to go over a few things that we talked about last week. So getting into chapter 2, starting off in chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, we talked about a few things. One is this. This is important. Jesus is our propitiation. Say propitiation. Remember that big word? Remember what it means. It means he stood in the gap. Thank you. He stood in the gap, right? He took our punishment upon himself. He didn't have to. He, he satisfied the justice of God. He who was sinless took the place of us who are sinful. Amen? He who was sinless took the place of us. Number two is this. So number one is he is the propitiation. He stood in the gap. Number two is if you know him, you will keep his commandments. If you know him, you'll keep his commandments. And keep in mind that this is not religious. It's relational. Amen. It's not because of the rules that I know him. It's, it's not because of the regulations that now I can know him. It is now when I start to know him, then I want to be in my Bible. I want to spend time in prayer. I want to get to know him more, right? So it's not because of those things we know him, but because we know him out of, out of us knowing him, we get to do these things. So it's not religious, it's relationship. And then number three is this. Number one, propitiation. Number two, if you'll know him, you'll keep his commandments. And number three, all of this is not new. All of this is not new. This is something we clearly know. It's almost common sense, right? That if we know him, we'll keep his commandments. However, it may be like new because the darkness is leaving us and the light is now shining. I like that. John, John puts that in there. It may be, it's not new, but it may be like new. How many ever had something like new, right? And I don't just mean, so how many have a car? That's a pretty, pretty common question, right? You have a car, that's good. Uh, how many ever, like, uh, let your car get a little dirty? I, some people are like, absolutely not. No, I've let my car get dirty, right, Jackie? She knows. How many ever, how many ever had your car, like, totally cleaned out? So, and then you get in it, and you're like, wow, this isn't new, but it feels like new, right? Just spray a little Febreze in there, right, Mike? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not new, but it's like new. And the reason that this is like new to us is because the darkness is leaving us and the true light is now shining. It leads us into the second part of chapter 2, and we start with verse 12. It says this, verse 12 through 14. I'm going to forewarn you. This, it may come off a little confusing, but we're going to break it down, okay? 12 through 14 says this, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. It sounds, it sounds repetitive, right? He, he kind of says things a couple times, and it seems like he's saying the same thing over and over. We see that John writes to three stages of maturity. When he writes, I'm writing to you little children. Remember last week we talked about some, some translations would say dear children. He's writing that to the dear children. Then he writes to the young men. He writes to the fathers. So there's three stages of maturity, and we could say it this way. In our spiritual life, there are babes or children. There are young people, or what we call teenagers, right? And then there are the spiritually mature. Fathers and mothers in the faith. Amen? I'm so glad there are fathers and mothers in the faith, Bob. And you know what I'm saying, Bob? Bob, you know what I'm saying? I'm so glad there are good, spiritually mature fathers and mothers in the faith. John uses what's uh, repetitive language here, and it can be a little confusing. But in fact, uh, it, wants, it starts with us pointing towards little children or the dear children. John here isn't, of course, referring to actual babies, right? Uh, is James here? Is James in the service right now, or is he downstairs? Is Ella here? She's downstairs. Man, all the babies are gone right now. I had a great illustration where I just take them outside and leave them there. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just playing. We're not going to do that. I'm just playing. Uh, no, but it's, it's this. It's children. It's a, it's a picture of how we first start off in our faith walk. Right? How we first off in the journey that we call our life in Christ. Okay? So uh, when we start off as children, I like what uh, Pastor Ray Stedman said. He says this. He first addresses children, little children, and he says this Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. To little children, he writes, Your sins are forgiven. Why? Because you know the Father. So he gives two things here. One, your sins are forgiven. That's elementary to Christianity. Number, number one thing, your sins are forgiven. Amen? Then he writes, to you children, because you know the Father. Because you know the Father. He says this, that is why sins are forgiven. They have joined the family of God and, to, and have come to know the Father. That is why our sins are forgiven. Because we have joined the family of God, we have come to know the Father. It's a joyful thing when someone gives their life to the Lord. Amen? How many know it's a joyful thing when someone comes to the Lord? Amen? Come on. It's a joyful thing when someone comes out of the muck and the mire into relationship with Christ. It's important for us to remember that whether it be physically or spiritually, 
How many know maturity does not happen overnight? Amen? Come on. <laughs> Nobody ever went from a baby to a teenager. Not unless it was a, some sort of weird Disney movie or something. Right? They went from, nobody goes from babies to teenagers, and nobody goes from babies to teenagers to, to adults, like boom, 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 right? It's, it's a process. We, we go through a process in our faith of growing and maturing. Last week, we talked about John said, the darkness is leaving and the true light is shining, right? And so as we mature, the darkness is leaving our life and the true light is shining and we become mature in our faith. Amen? So here's what happens. How many, uh, there's some parents here of toddlers. How many, uh, how many have had a toddler at some point in their life? How many have had a baby at some point in their life? Or you've taken care of a baby at some point in your life? Uh, how many know sometimes they make messes? All right? <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, Suzanne just looked at Jonathan like, Yep. <laughs> I don't want to point. I don't want to. I don't want to point it out right now. To, to spotlight right there. But uh, sometimes babies make messes, and how we don't just take the baby and go. Right, we just don't punt the baby out of here just because they make a mess. Right, we don't scream at the child because they make a mess. No, you go. It's a baby. That's what they do, Doug. Right, babies make messes. Where's, where's, where's Evan? There's Evan. <laughs> and there's Bryce. Where's Bryce? Bryce is down there with the baby. Oh, he's down. Oh, he's down. He's taking care of the baby. Good job, Rachel. You've taught Bryce what to do. And take, I'm just kidding. I'm mean, no, no. How many know? Listen, Doug, when, when Bryce and Evan, you had two babies, twice the mess. Hey, there's Bryce right there. He's right back there. That's good. He's like, oh, no, I did not come up at the right time. No, how many know that when, when babies are young, they make messes. Sometimes they poop their pants, right? Hey, come on. Let's, I know we're all holy this morning, but we can't talk. There's dirty diapers. Come on. You ever, you ever go inside a, a kid's room and you go, something doesn't smell right. And it's because, hey, hey, how many, because some kids are sneaky. Some kids like to, some kids don't want to let you know that they messed up their pants, and so they hide them. It might look clean, but something smells funny. It's, yeah, right, that, because that's what babies do. That's what to toddlers do. They try to get away with stuff, right? Mike, they try to get away with stuff, right? I tried to get away with a lot of stuff when I was a kid. Because that's what kids do. That's the maturity level. Here's the thing. We have new life in Christ, and there should definitely be a difference, right? There should be a difference between who we were and who we are. But how many know that immature people sometimes do immature things? Sometimes, and it takes time for us to grow. Verse 2 talks about children. I like this. This is interesting. I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And then it says, I write to you children because you know the Father. There's two different words there for children. The first is this, uh, say technon. Technon is the word that means infant. Okay? And then say pedion. 
Padion, he says this, I'm writing to you infants because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And then he uses a different word here. He says, I write to you toddlers, or those who are a bit more mature, because you have come to know the Father. Listen, babies make messes, right? It doesn't mean we abandon the baby. It doesn't mean we, can't, we, we put the baby out the door and say, forget you now. You stay outside, and we're going to continue on with what we're doing here. We don't want to do that physically. We don't scream at the children. That would be, how many know that would be cruel and unloving, right? It'd be cruel and unloving. I love Ella, and, and she never lets me hold her, but that's okay. Uh, Ella cries whenever I hold her or try to or talk to her in any way. Uh, <laughs> which is not unlike my teenage years with other girls, so it's okay. Uh, it's, yeah, you think it's funny. I, it wasn't funny at the time, I'll tell you that. Uh, here's the thing. <laughs> it would be cruel and unloving if Ella, little sweet Ella, if she made a mess and we just put her outside the door, right? That would be cruel and unloving. If, we, if she made a mess and all of a sudden we started screaming at her, don't you know any better? Come on, how, how many know that would be cruel? That would be unloving to look at a baby or a toddler and be like, what are you doing? Right? I mean, if you went downstairs and there's like a mess in the nursery now, you start screaming at the kids? No, because that's what babies do. But how many know just, you know, it's wrong for us to do that physically. But how many know there's a lot of Christians that do that spiritually? There's a lot of Christians that do that spiritually. Someone's new in their journey with Christ. Somebody's just a spiritual babe. Someone's just a spiritual infant or a spiritual toddler, and they mess up. They, they do something immature. They do something wrong, and we start screaming at them. Don't you know anybody? Oh, man, I can't. I, I can't. You know what? You, you don't, we don't even want you in this church. Please, please go somewhere else. Oh, no, because that would be cruel and unloving, Right? And so we don't want to treat the babes and the children as though they're mature and know better because a lot of times they don't. A lot of times they're just babes and they're immature in their faith. And so we have grace with them, right? Just as a parent has grace with a baby that makes a mess. Just as a parent has grace with a toddler that makes a mess. A baby Christian needs the love and encouragement of the church family. Amen? If, you're, if, if there's baby Christian around you, they, listen, here's an interesting thing. We need to make sure that they grow into young people. There's an interesting um, parable that Jesus gives. I want to say it's in Mark chapter 4. It's about the sower and the seed, or the farmer and the seed. And how many know that Jesus talks about a parable where there's four, uh, there's seed planted and one of four things can happen. One is it grows up quickly, but then it's choked out, right? The other is birds come, and they pick up the seed, and they take it away. The other is that it does grow, but then the sun comes down on it, and it burns. It scorches it. And then the third thing is this. The seed grows. It's healthy. It's, it, it grows to maturity, Right? And so we understand that that parable is about the Word of God and it being sown in people's lives and, and how the enemy tries to come in and mess them up and 
put weeds in there and cause it not to grow and choke it out and things like that. But I strongly believe that the job of, of the Christian is when somebody new gets saved, when somebody new comes to know the Lord, sometimes it's our job to whack away the weeds. Sometimes it's our job to provide shade for the sun. Amen? That's called discipleship. That's called discipleship. That means that we're trying to cover them. We're trying to ensure that the word takes root. And we're doing everything we can by the grace of God to help the word take root. Because we want to grow them, we want to see them grow from young men and women, young babes, to young men and women in the Lord. And then from young men and women, we want to see them grow into mature adults. Amen? I once had a, um, I was in college, it was a Christian college, and uh, we had a, a, a guy come to the school, it was his first semester, and I can't remember his name right now for the life of me, but I will forever remember how he left. When he came to the college, he had just been a Christian for less than a year. This is a Christian college, it had rules and regulations, it had a lot of, uh, you know, no secular music, you can do a lot quite a few things that was intended for holiness and for separation, and it was a, a good, uh, parts of it were really good for that time, and so you want to focus on your service to the Lord and, and your studies and what you're doing, and, and so there's nothing wrong with that, but he just, well, he, he just wasn't, wasn't taking hold of it. He was just a new Christian, hadn't been saved for but a year, and he somehow, some way, got into this college that was Christian-based and Bible-based. And, and so when he came out and experienced all these rules and regulations, he, he had a hard time with them. In fact, that's okay. It's just a phone. He had a hard time with them. It wasn't a matter of, of, uh, of him hating the church or hating Christians. It was just a matter of his maturity level. As a Christian or a new Christian, he was just having a hard time adjusting to all the rules and regulations that us really nice, good, holy Christians have already gotten used to. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and, and here's what happened. Oh, man, it was ridiculous. Somebody said, uh, you can't, no, no secular music, no secular music. And somebody said, well, I have, I have like a lot of classical music. Uh, is that okay? And they said, well, is it, is it Christian or not? And it was like, if it wasn't on, if it doesn't play on Christian radio, then they go, well, that must not be Christian, so you can't play it. And so I went to the resident director. I said, are you nuts? I said, it's classical music. Most of this is written to the glory of God. Most of this is written as a beautiful uh, piece of art towards the glory of God, and, and you're saying that they can't listen to it because it's not on the pop 20 of, of Christian music America? So this kid, he just kept, kind of kept uh, coming up against these types of kind of religious things. And as he messed up, which he inevitably did, people would start screaming at him. What do you think you're doing? You know better. Listen, you know the rules. You know the regulations. You know Christians aren't supposed to do that. You keep it up. We're going to have to kick you out of this college. And before they could, he left, screaming at the leadership, swearing at them, 
cursing them as he left, as he drove off cursing everybody in anger and frustration. Why? Because he was a baby. He was a spiritually immature person that we didn't, we didn't take the care to love and show grace to. There was an understanding that, hey, this is a new Christian. What's, what's going on here? I mean, that truly, he probably shouldn't have been in that environment in the first place. But a lot of people treated him like he was supposed to be this great, mature, spiritual adult, when in truth, he was just a babe. And so we can't treat those who are babes in Christ as those who, have, who are spiritually mature giants, right? We can't treat them the same way. We can't act the same way. We have to show extended grace towards them. The problem is that far too often those who are spiritual babes aren't given enough nourishment. They are only given baby food. So most of what you see on TV today most of what you see in a lot of churches is just spiritual baby food. So here's, here, here's, here's what makes you happy. Here's something sweet. Here's some baby food. How many ever ate that uh, Gerber baby food? Apples, apple pie. Dutch apple pie. That's what it is, right? Dutch apple pie. Man, I kid you not. There's kids I knew in college that ate that stuff. And they're like, hey, baby food in college? It was cheap, and it tasted good. It was like ramen noodles. I mean, you just, you just got to survive for a while, right? So, so people would, people, you know, I love, I love, uh, man, Dutch apple baby food is actually pretty good, right, Stacy? It, it, it tastes great. And then there's, like, the peas and carrots. Squash. Creamed corn, ugh. Absolutely horrendous. Gary, I want nothing to do with that stuff. But that's the stuff that helps you grow, right? You, sometimes you need, you don't need just the sweet stuff. Sometimes you need the bitter stuff too, right? And sometimes you don't just need the baby food. You don't just need the milk. Sometimes you need the meat of God's word. Now, actually, 2 Peter says it this way. I like this. Uh, second Peter, first Peter, sorry, first Peter two two says this: like newborn babes, they long for the pure milk of the word. They long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So sometimes we need the milk of the word, and sometimes we need the meat of the word. Amen. I like that. For a baby to grow, they need sustenance. First, they need the milk of the word, and then they need the meat of the word. Young men, young people. I like that. Uh, you know, it, it references young men here. We're saying young people, young men, young women. Mature fathers, we're talking fathers and mothers, right? They can only grow. This is, this is interesting. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Sounds great. But here's why they overcame the evil one. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. You cannot overcome the evil one in your life unless the word of God abides in you. Amen? You cannot overcome the evil one in your life unless the word of God abides in you. And, and here's the thing. They abide in it. What does that word abide mean? It means to live in it. 
It means to be, to, it is a part of you, right? They, they love the word of God. They cling to the word of God. It is deep within them because they have poured over its pages trying to get to know right? And so when they have a firm grasp on the word of God, they pour over its pages. It's made real and alive to them. They abide in the word. That's young people right? Then we have the last stage. The last stage is the fathers. Fathers is pretty simple here. I like this. It says this. Fathers, I uh, write to you, writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And then it goes to the next, this seems repetitive. It says the same thing. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I like what pa- uh, Pastor Ray Stedman said. He said, what else can be said? What else can be said? They're mature. They know him. They know God. Because you know him who is from the beginning. This is the essence of what we all hope for, right? This is what we all hope for. This is the goal. To know him more, Gary. We want to know him more and more and more and more. The good thing is this. I got good news for you this morning. Uh, When it comes to the believer... You can go from child to young person to spiritually mature, and yet you still keep growing in your faith, right? And that's the good thing. It's just become Bob. Bob is a I would call him a spiritual father, right? He's a mature Christian adult, and uh, you're still learning, right, Bob? You're still growing. You're still you're still getting to know the Savior, right? Until one day you see him face to face. Amen. Amen. Right. I, I talked about this when, when, when Dolores passed. I'm, as much as we miss her, as much as I miss her, as much as you guys miss her, she encountered him face to face. Amen? And so we, we move in our maturity levels from children to young adults to spiritually mature to one day experiencing him face to face. And that's the goal that we're all hoping for, that we're all yearning for. When it comes to the believer, they can be put into three groups, one of three groups, children, young people, spiritually mature, fathers and mothers. And together, it would encompass who we call true Christians, right? True Christians, we would say they're either a child, they're a young person, or they're a father and a mother. The great thing, uh, listen, I like that, but Bob, uh, Becoming a spiritual father, which may have happened many years ago, uh, it's not the end of your spiritual journey. It's not the pinnacle, right? It's not the highest you can reach. We keep growing. We keep searching. We keep learning. We keep knowing him. John then shifts a bit. It's interesting. He shifts a bit to speak about those things which can hinder or stop the maturing process. Because there are things in our lives that can hinder or stop us from maturing. Verse 15 says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Say, do not love the world. Do not love the world 
or the things in the world. Do not love the world, Evan, or the things in the world. Right, Tim? I didn't want Evan to think I was just calling him out, calling him out on something. Do not love the world, Steve, or the things in the world. Right, Craig? One pastor said this is one of the most abused scriptures in almost all of the Bible. One of the most abused scriptures in all of the Bible. And why do you say that? Christians love to use this against anything. Christians love to use this, right, Stacy? Yeah, they go, that's of the world. Stay away from it. That's of the world. Right, Bob? Christians love to use this scripture. And they say, oh, it's of the world. And mostly it's fun things. Mostly it's fun stuff, right? Uh, Gary, come on. <laughs> Gary's smiling. He knows. Christians love to say, that's worldliness. I mean, have you ever made somebody like that? That's of the world. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. It's mostly the fun stuff. Listen, it's interesting. Anything that has even the slightest possibility of abuse, Christians label it the world. And if you go anywhere near it, you're in sin. If you go anywhere near it, Stacy, you're in sin. Playing cards, that's the world. How many ever heard that? How many, come on, how many grew up in that way? Playing cards, that, oh my goodness, you're playing cards? I worked, I worked for, I, I kid you not. I'm not, I worked for a church. I was a youth pastor. And uh, I wanted to bring in a pool table for the, for, the, for the youth. And they said, a pool table? You're not going to play it on Sundays, are you? I said, what? And then, this, is, this is a legitimate conversation I had. They said, you're not going to play it on Sundays, are you? I said, well, what are you talking about? Well, pool table, that's associated with a bar. Oh, Oh, no. We wouldn't want to be associated with a bar. TV. Oh, boy. That's the world. Okay? Okay, doll. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going, around, going towards it. Hey, how many, how many ever? Don't you turn on that TV. That's the world. That's the devil. That's what you have people say. People who are nuts. Listen, there's, there's plenty of, of, of opportunity for abuse of anything. Amen? Come on, there's, there's plenty of opportunity for abuse for anything. You, don't tell me you're getting on that internet. That's the devil's internet. Really? And the truth is that a lot of times it is abused. And a lot of times it's abused by Christians. Right? We know this. But just because it has the potential for abuse doesn't mean that it's the world. You went to the movie house? That's not, they don't call them that anymore. Uh, they don't really call them that anymore. They go, you went to the movie theater? Are you kidding me? I, I can't. I saw Pastor David at the movie theater. We're going to have to have a conversation with the elders. Right, Dale? I'm like, Dale was with me. What's going on? What's, going, what's happening here? It's the world. Music. Oh. Unless it's praise and worship, it's the world. Unless it's Newsboys or Michael W. Smith, it's the world. No. Everything has the opportunity to be abused. 
Anything has the opportunity to be abused. Listen, are you, are you telling me, Doreen, people go from your church and they go to the barn to dance? Now we're hitting home. Ooh, I wasn't sure how close this would be to home here, but this is pretty close. You, t- you, you tell me people are dancing, Carol? Mike Hansen, are you dancing at the barn? Line dancing? People say, that's the world. Man, it would be hilarious if so many people weren't pushed away from Christian faith because of religious snobs. It'd be hilarious if people weren't pushed away from the faith because of religious snobs. Now it's getting quiet. Right? Because we all know people. I'm not saying look to your neighbor or look to anything like that. But we all know people that say, I can't believe you do that. I can't believe you'd go there. I can't believe you'd drink that. I can't believe you'd say that. Everything has the opportunity for abuse, and we have to be careful about those things. We have to be careful about those things. We say, okay, well, if, if playing cards and, and movie houses, and people don't call them that anymore, but if, if TV and uh, all, all those things aren't the world, then what is the world? So what is the world that John speaks about here? Because John, he isn't speaking about the planet, right? He isn't saying those who love the planet or love creation, because God loves creation, right? God created it. God is the creator. He loves his creation. He loves, we talk about the majesty of the mountains, right? We live in Iowa. We don't see mountains too often. We talk about the majesty of it. God loves his creation. I, I believe God wants us to love it too, Amen. And so, so the world, what is the world? It's not all of humanity, right? It's not just people. Because the Bible says God loves people. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves the world. He, he gave his son for the world. Amen? And so what is the, what, do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So if it's not the world or creation, and it's not humanity, it's not playing cards, and it's not line dancing, then what is it? What is the world? Verse 16 says this. For all that is in the world, and this is where we start to get into categories. The desires of the flesh... Maybe some of your Bibles say the lust of the flesh. The desires of the eyes or the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Three things. Number one, the desires are the lust of the flesh. Number two, the desires are lust of the eyes. Number three, the pride of life. The world that John is talking about is not humanity, and it's not the planet, and it's not playing cards, and it's not line dancing. It is sin. He's talking about sin. He's talking about what is sin. Paul gives us a pretty good uh, list of the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5. In, in fact, there's a list of multiple sins and. You can read it on your own. I've preached on it several times. Uh, adultery, fornication, all these are along the lines of sins. Uh, and here, 
in this chapter, rather than an exhaustive list, John puts them into three categories. All of sin is encompassed in three categories. So what is it? Number, number one, uh, the desires of the flesh. Any ideas? What would be a desire? What, what would be a sin, a desire of the flesh? Pornography. That'd be a big one, right? But the interesting thing is this. Pornography encompasses two of those things. It's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, right? So now here's the interesting thing. Flesh is this. What is flesh? It is that which satisfies your body. It's that which satisfies your body. It brings comfort to your body. Even if for a short time, it brings comfort. It satisfies your body. The lust of the eyes is this, that which speaks or satisfies your soul. It speaks to your, your inward person, who you are. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so when we allow lust to come and take over, when we look upon things with lust in our eyes, we're allowing it to bring fulfillment to our soul, even if it's for a second. Then there's this, the pride of life. Some people aren't sure exactly what this is. What is this, pride of life? It is that which focuses on making me higher and everybody else, including God, lower. That's the pride of life. I have to get bigger. I have to get better. I have to be more important. I have to be more esteemed than everybody else. And that's where I get my satisfaction from. This is the world that John is talking about. So there's a lot of sins that we could talk about that don't just fulfill the, pride, uh, the lust of the flesh, but they also lust of the eyes. So let's take pornography. Pornography specifically is a lust of the inward man. And by the way, uh, I know there's kids here, so I'm going to be careful. Uh, there's not just pornography for men. There's also pornography for women, mostly in the books that you read. And so that's why Fifty Shades of Grey became a huge bestseller international, but that's pornography for women. It's people that they want to fantasize about these relationships. And in that book, they would fantasize about being beaten by a man for sexual pleasure. And we wonder why there are so many issues in our country and around the world. And Christian women that were going out and buying this book and saying, oh, it's the best thing I ever read. Spiritual babes don't know any better. Need to grow up. This is where it gets a little punchy because, remember, John doesn't hold back. We know their desires of the flesh. So we have pornography, which is the lust of the eyes. We see something or we encounter something. It gives us satisfaction to our soul, and then we commit sin to the body. So there's an outward satisfaction and an inward satisfaction, and along with that eventually comes the guilt. Along with that eventually comes not being satisfied. So people who encounter drug use, drug use would be a desire of the flesh. And so you fill your body to get high. You fill your body to, to feel euphoric. 
and it satisfies until you crash, right? And that doesn't satisfy anymore, or you need more. You need more and more in order to feel satisfied. The desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, people don't preach on this anymore. You don't, you don't hear messages about sin anymore. No, you hear ice cream, baby food, some Dutch apple pie, right? Let's talk, let's just, can we just have a discussion about sin? Can we just talk about the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life? We get so prideful. I don't need God. Are you kidding me? I don't need God. I'm young. I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm making money. Find me a good woman. Have a family someday. I don't need God. It's part of life. And ultimately, we come crashing down. Desires of the flesh, oh, yeah, I can do this. It's not a big deal. Desires of the, desires of the eyes, man, I just, you know. And here's the thing. We talked about earlier the different things that people call the world, playing cards and, and, and line dancing and things of those sort. It, some of it's kind of, kind of funny because we think, of course, those things aren't inherently sinful. But be, people can make them sinful. Right? So let's not be ignorant to the fact that some of these things, people can make sinful. TV in and of, in and of itself is, is a crazy invention that, that I still can't tell you how the science works behind it. But uh, how does one picture get from one thing to another? It's like Willy Wonka. I don't know what's happening. Right? I don't know what's happening. But I know it works when I turn on the TV. And if I want to, I, I can turn it to a channel that's going to give me a lust of the flesh or lust of the eyes. I can, I can watch something that's going to give me satisfaction for a little while. And so when we turn that computer on or turn the iPad on and go onto the Internet, which is inherently neither good nor bad, it's just information, right? It's amoral, right? It's not moral or immoral. It's amoral. And so just like music, the Internet, we can, we can bring it, we can have it bring, it bring us to places that can be abused, and so now in the internet, you can, people are finding uh, sexual satisfaction, whether through a spouse outside of their marriage or maybe perhaps with a child. They go through the dark web, and now you can reach places and people that you've never been able to before in your life. Or we can use it for good things. Banking and industry and information and technology and The thing is this, with all of these things, we have to go, if it has the potential for abuse, if it has the potential for abuse, are we sure that we're not abusing it? And so we've talked in this church about alcohol. We've talked in this church about alcohol. We've been very clear about it. The Bible's very clear on not being drunk. The Bible's also clear that a lot of times alcohol is used in praise and worship, used in celebration. So I don't have any, we don't have any issue with saying, hey, you know, the Bible says to, to use in moderation to, to you know, if, if, you have the, uh, if you have the conviction that you should abstain, then, then you absolutely should. And if you have a family history of it, you should absolutely stay away from it. Uh, for those who feel free about it, they should be very careful not to offend people. 
right? And so we look at it with balance. But how many know there's a high potential for abuse with alcohol? Right? There's a high potential for abuse with medications. There's a high potential for abuse with food. Food isn't inherently evil, right? But sometimes, sometimes it can seem evil. Right? And so, so we, we know gluttony is a sin. We know gluttony is a sin, right? Boy, I'm going past 1145. I know. Tim called it. Tim's like, yeah, right. Maybe it was Tim that said it. Maybe somebody else said it. I don't know. We know gluttony is a sin, right? We have no problem just stuffing our face. We get so full and bloated and gassy, we can't even be rolled out the door. Right? Come on. It's, I know we're going back to Willy Wonka, but remember when that girl blew up like a blueberry and they had to roll her? That's a lot of ways some of us are after Thanksgiving dinner. Listen, we have to determine, is this something that brings us closer to God or pushes us away from God? Right? Not, not, not the thing itself inherently, but whether or not there's the potential for us to abuse it. Because sometimes there's potential for us to abuse it. Things that satisfy for a moment, but ultimately draws us away from God, it cuts off relationship with God and the opportunity, it takes away the opportunity for us to grow into maturity. And so that's why you'll have Christians, listen carefully, that's why you'll have Christians that have been in the faith for 50 years and they still act like children. People have been Christians for 50 plus years and they they still act like children. They still throw tantrums, right? They are ruled by their emotions. They're like a toddler screaming at the Walmart. How many ever been there? I've been there. You've been to Walmart, you hear a toddler screaming, and the parents just like, it's okay. Oh, it's a baby, it's okay. Listen, toddler just screams. How many they do that ninja move where they fall to the floor and they won't they won't let anybody pick them up or it's it's amazing. I can't do that anymore. There's lots of Christians that do that though. Lots of Christians that do that. They just, they just <laughs> is that a good cry? I didn't think that was a good cry. No. The fall to the floor, Doug. Start wailing. Start pounding on stuff. They'll throw tantrums. Why? Because they're not spiritually mature. Because at some point along the way, in their Christian walk of however many years, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, or the pride of life got in the way of their maturity and their growth. And we don't want to hear about this because I'm an elder in the church. I'm sorry, not an elder in the church. <laughs> I, I'm not going like, uh, to. I'm an older person in the church. And uh, I, I have my seat assigned, and this is where I sit, and I've been at this church for many years now, and, and, and we know exactly what's going on. Well, okay. Man, I am so thankful and glad for spiritually mature people in the church. I really am. I love it. How many know there's a lot of people who have been in the church a long time that are neither spiritual nor mature? They've been in the church a long time, and they're not spiritual or mature because at some point in their Christian journey and their Christian walk, their maturity got hindered by the sins of the flesh, the sins of the eyes, the pride of life. 
They got hindered by sin. They'll give God their Sunday mornings, but they won't give them their sex life. Are you hearing me this morning? Yeah, God, I'll give you my Sunday mornings, but I won't give you my sex life. Lord, I'll give you my praise and worship, but I won't give you my drug use. They'll give God lip service about love and peace, but their hearts are filled with strife and envy and heresy. And that's the truth of it. I'd rather give you the truth now than a sweet-tasting lie. Amen? People who have been called, called themselves Christians, listen, they have called themselves Christians for 50 years. They will find themselves lost in eternity. Because just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean you always act like one. They will be in church for 50 plus years. They'll find themselves in eternity simply because of this. Simply because of this. They refuse to stop giving themselves over to the world. They refuse to stop giving themselves over to the world. Remember, John doesn't tell, John tells the truth without holding back, but he does so with love. Amen? Listen, it's love that warns us. It's love that says, your house is on fire. Get out of the house. That's what love does. Love tells us, warns us, hey, you're in danger. We want to do it with love. Listen, you're in danger. You're allowing the world to, to come and take over your life, and, and eventually, I don't, I don't know when that point will be, but as sincere as you may have been in accepting Christ, at some point, you give yourself over to the world, and you give yourself, you give away the gift of salvation. Because you get so caught up in the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, and people say, well, Pastor David, when is that point? When is the, when is the line? When, when do you go too far? I don't know I'm not God. I don't know I'm not God. I know he extends grace further than I can imagine. So I don't know what that point is, but at some point, we give ourselves over to the world and we deny Christ. It's because of love. You say, Pastor David, I don't like this sermon. I'd rather you be mad at me over the truth than be happy with me over a lie. Amen? Amen? I'd rather you be mad at me over the truth than be happy with me over a lie. Katrina, could you come up and play a little bit? Boy, I really had all the intention of, of not having a real long sermon today. There's a, we talk about three groups of people. They have the, we have the spiritual babes, right? We have the spiritual young people, and then we have the spiritually mature. The truth is this. There's people who are growing in their maturity. They're not perfect. How many know they're not perfect? How many know you might be growing in your maturity? You're not perfect. We mess up. We trip up, right? Play a little softer. You know, we trip up every once in a while, but we are fighting the good fight. Amen? I like that. We're fighting the good fight. We are growing toward maturity. We may trip up, but we're falling forward. Amen? There's three people 
that I described earlier, the child, the young person, and the mature person. And then there's three people that are here today. You might be here today. I, I think, I, I think uh, sometimes we have a lot of new people. Last week, we had a lot of new faces. Uh, this week, I think I recognize everyone. And you say, Pastor David, I might be here, and maybe you're here, and you say, I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. Maybe you're here, you say, I've never accepted Christ. I've never given my life to the Lord. Not really. I've given lip service, but I've never really given my life to the Lord. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're in that first category. Maybe there's a second category where you say, Pastor David, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord, but man, I continually give myself over to the world. My maturity is continually hindered by giving myself over to the flesh, the eyes, the pride of life. That might be you this morning. The third person, the third category would be this, those who are spiritually mature, those who are growing. You say, I'm not, I'm not the most spiritually mature person, but, but I'm growing. I love the Lord. I have a healthy relationship where I stumble. I'm not faultless, but I, I'm growing. And we praise God for it. It's those of us who are growing, those of us who are healthy, that need to come alongside those who are struggling. Provide the shade to, to weed around Make sure that things don't choke out the word. And make sure the sun doesn't burn up the word. So we provide shade. We do some gardening together. Amen? Say, Pastor David, I'm in that first category. I've, I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. I'd like us to all kind of close our eyes right now. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to, to, to do something embarrassing or call you out or anything like that. But the thing is this. I believe that this, that moment of salvation is one of the most personal a person can experience. It's one of the most personal things you can experience in your life. And so it's not done out of manipulation or coercion. It's done because you realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. It's done in your seat where you're at when you, when you realize, I need Christ in my life. I have lived far too long of myself. I've lived far too long in sin. I would ask this, though, if, if that is you this morning, if you would just simply raise your hand. If you would just simply just raise your hand and say, Pastor David, I would like you to pray with me. I've seen four hands go up so far. Is there anybody else? If you put your hand up, you can put your hand down. It's okay. Then there's a second category. Pastor David, I'm a Christian, but man, I have 
given myself over to the world. Pastor David, I continually get tripped up by the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. I, I am hindered in my maturity. I need to repent. I need revival in my life. You say, Pastor David, that's me. If that's you this morning, if you would raise your hand. Five, six, seven, eight. You can put your hands down. Then there are those here this morning that would say, Pastor David, I'm thankfully, I'm growing. I'm healthy. I trip up once in a while. I'm, I'm not faultless, but I love the Lord. I want to know him more. I want to grow in my faith. If that's you this morning, raise your hand. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the hands that have been raised this morning. If you're here this morning, you're in that first category. You've never accepted Christ as your Savior. I, 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 <laughs> I'm so thankful that you would say, today I want to ask Jesus to be Lord of my life. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I don't want to live for the world anymore. I want to live for Christ. And so if that was you, it, let's all we're all going to pray this together, but if that was you, uh, if, if you would, if you would join, join in and just with deep conviction say these words, Lord Jesus, please forgive my sins. Thank you for what you did at the cross. Please be Lord of my life. Let me no more turn to the world or turn to myself, but only turn to you. Be the master of my life. Be the savior of my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank you for those who, who, are, who are newly entered into the faith. We rejoice with the angels over them. And then there's a the second category. You say, Pastor David, I just need to repent. I have been, uh, I've been call, I call myself a Christian. I've been coming to church. I've been doing what I feel I need to do, but man, I keep messing up. I continually give in to the, the flesh, the eyes, the pride. I continually give in to sin. Not just trip me up and, and move forward, but it really messes me up. If that's you this morning, I want to pray this over you. Lord, I pray that each one of those people that raise their hands, that, that struggle with their level of maturity, that, that want to grow in their faith, that they took the very first step in raising their hand. They took the first step in saying, that's me. I, I, I want to do better. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you would give them the strength, that you would surround them with the people to help them do better, that you would surround them with healthy Christians to to provide some shade and to, to get the weeds out. Lord, I pray that they would get plugged into a good church, a good body of believers, that they would grow in their faith from children or young babes to young men and women, and from young men and women into fathers and mothers. Lord, I'm so thankful for your word this morning. I'm thankful for those who raise their hands and say, yes, we are healthy, we are moving forward in Christ. We, we, we want to grow. Even though we're, we're not faultless, we're not perfect. But we love the Lord and we're moving forward in our maturity levels. If you'll all stand with me this morning. Not for ourselves, but for those who gave their lives to the Lord or got right with Jesus. Let's give them a hand clap this morning. Lord, we thank you. If if you are here and you raised your hand, I have a book that I want to give you. Uh, it's, It's a book that helps people in their journey in faith. If that's you, come see me. Come see me. I want to give it to you for free. I want to gift you with it. I want to bless you with it, and I believe it will help you. For those of us who are here, whether it's in this church or outside this church, if it's people in your neighborhood, people that you work with, let's be be, be the Christians that God called us to be. Amen? Provide the shade. Do some gardening. If you know someone who's struggling in their faith, they're just spiritual babes. We don't scream at them. We don't abandon them. We show them extended grace. Amen? We show them extended grace. They're young people that are growing in their maturity. We help them in their journey. We help them along the way. It's called that's discipleship. It's not a small group at a church. It's what we do in our everyday lives. Amen? It's what God has called us to do. So, Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. I pray that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them as they go about doing what it is you've called us to do. You've called us to disciple. You've called us to help those who are less mature, to lift them up in their faith to surround them with love and encouragement. So, Lord, let us be the light in their lives. Let everything we do point to Jesus. Amen? Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. If you want a book, come see me. I will happily give one to you for free. Uh, We want it to be a blessing to your life. Uh, Remember, there's youth tonight. Women's ministry on Thursday. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week.